Season one, episode three, DJ and the coach. Give that to Will Smith. Thank you, Will Smith. Coach Tim Lacombe, how are you? I am doing great, DJ. Uh, had a, a great time last night watching the Jazz. And, uh, you know, only wish the game started a little earlier. But <laughs> other than that, hey, we'll take the dub. And uh, some pretty, pretty fun stuff happened like last night. We'll break it all down here. Well, a couple things uh, jumped out at me. One, the Jazz shot the three better. They still didn't shoot it well. 31%. Now, 31% is better than the 27 they're averaging for the series. I think it was 25 or 26 coming into that game. 31 pulled it up to 27%. And for a team whose season average was 36.5, and I know that's padded in less pressure situations and against some bad opponents. You know, you're probably going to shoot it better against the Knicks and the Suns and, you know, the bottom of the league. But I still feel like watching the game, number one, there's no denying the impact of timely threes. Crowder with two early threes to get the crowd going and get the Jazz a lead. Uh, Niang with a three. When it's 75-70, it feels like it's slipping away. You're down five, and the Rockets have the momentum late in the third quarter. And then Donovan Mitchell with three quick threes in the first four minutes or so of the fourth quarter. So they had timely threes that definitely changed the feel of the game. But, Tim, I'm still wondering if there isn't a chance in Game 5 that they shoot 35-40% to 40% from three and have a chance to stun everyone with an upset just because they get those game-changing baskets and more of them, and they get points in bunches because they hit threes on back-to-back trips down the court. I mean, is that too much to ask for? No, it's, it's, it's not like asking for them to shoot 75 or 80%, right? It's something they have done before. Um, and really, the way they've shot the ball in this playoff series – you want to talk about an outlier, this has been it. Um, Jazz have been solid from the three-point line all year long. And, it, you know, it's, it's just at this point right now that the, the uh, kind of the tough shooting has reared its head. But right now I would say that, um, that there is a good chance, and we talked about that last night in the post-game show, that really all they need is a night where they shoot the ball normal for the season's uh, sake and Donovan continues to play like he plays. They shoot the ball normally, the rest of them. And, you know, there's a ton of pressure put on the Rockets to win that game and go back to – you have to come back to Utah, which you and I both know, DJ, they don't want any part of that. They don't want to come back here. Uh, They want to end this thing. They wanted to end it last night. But um, what do you think, like, going into game – now game uh, five, uh, what do you think the Rockets – what do you think their mindset is? What do you think that well, their yeah. approach is going into Game 5? I think what you're hitting on here with 4, 5, and 6, I think they wanted to win 4, but in sports, college and pro, baseball, football, basketball, soccer, if I knew more about more Olympic sports, I'd probably think the same thing of like boxing and weightlifting if I just knew more about them. I think the team that wants to win when they play the team that needs to win, you are going to see the team that needs to win win like 90% of the time. Need beats yeah. want. You need that extra desperation, that extra adrenaline, that extra juice that comes with being in a tougher situation. 
And I still think in the series, you know, the Jazz want to win and the Rockets need to win. So I think the Rockets are going to find a way to get this series. Uh, But in game four, the Jazz needed to win, not be swept, not be humiliated, not be embarrassed, not be knocked out at home, all those things. Whereas the Rockets are like, man, we'd really like to have a lot more downtime before the Warriors. Now, the fact is, I think that want-need balance is changing now because the Rockets want to close it out in five here. They do need some downtime before they go into the next series. They don't need to be tired going into the next series because they were spending physical, emotional, mental energy closing out the first round. I think getting it done in five is plenty good because the game, you know, if you wrap it up on Wednesday and you're at home, you don't have to fly, right? You're off on Thursday, you practice Friday, you travel Saturday, you play Sunday. That's a normal NBA schedule. Winning in five is good enough. Six, to your point, that is a real problem for the Rockets. That's a real problem. Yep. And, I mean, the crazy thing is this thing could so easily be 2-2, right? The first two games were completely uh, – the Rockets just completely dismantled the Jazz, and, and neither game was really close. If the Jazz just make a couple opportunistic or timely, as you talked about, shots, this thing's tied going, going back. And that's where the Jazz fan and the Jazz – players and organization have to feel really good about the fact that they have flipped this series kind of on its ear and that the momentum, if you look at the momentum in the series, it's certainly going in the Jazz direction. And so there are certain, there are a lot of things that you can point to, but the one thing they have not done is be able to kind of keep a game close in Houston, and that's going to be the, the next step to be able to get this thing back to Salt Lake City. You know, I'd like to sign off on that 2-2 thing, and it might be true. I can't really prove it one way or another. I just think if the Jazz had won game three, that they wouldn't have been as desperate in four, and Houston would have been not desperate, but they would have been more intense and more focused. Because I really think at 3-0... You're, you're yeah, a, I guess you can't play. Right, you're, you're, you're a pretty odd NBA team if you're just laser-focused and really bringing it in game four when you're up 3-0. Right. The yeah, sweep, that's true. The, yeah, the sweeps um, we see are because there's a big talent differential. You know, when Milwaukee closes out Detroit, there's enormous talent differential. Uh, Indiana without Oladipo, you know, they, they're not going to hang with the Celtics when the Celtics are on their game. But the Jazz and Rockets, there's a talent differential, but it's not, not to that level. Hey, I had no one takeaway from game four, I thought, and I think you'll sign off on this. You know, the fans hated Donovan Mitchell missing that three at the end of game three, which I would like to point out there was 10 seconds left. It would have tied the game. It would not have put them ahead. It would not have been a game winner. Houston would have had the ball and presumably either won it at the end or gone to OT. And then in OT, it's still 50-50 who wins it there. But to miss that shot and feel bad about it and to struggle the way Mitchell struggled in the first three quarters, I thought that was pretty impressive that he checked into the fourth and got himself going immediately. Three-pointer, uh, mid-range, couple free throws, three-pointer, three-pointer. I mean, he had himself a 13-point quarter in like four minutes. And flipping the switch with the pressure on, the Jazz started that fourth quarter down by two, and then to open up an 11-point lead, it was 91-80 when he was done with that run. That was, I mean, if you're a Jazz fan looking for a big takeaway from this, that was very encouraging. Oh, and the team dynamic, the way that this thing went down when, when he did miss that shot. And, you know, if anybody's hard on Donovan for missing that shot, shame on them because, uh, you know, anybody in that moment, I think Kyle Corbin has, a, has had a meaningful shot. I mean, I remember watching Kobe Bryant from about row three, young in his career, uh, and he had a meaningful shot against the Jazz here in Salt Lake City, the airballed thing. Um, so I, I believe that, that people have seen those things 
you know, the guys that have taken those shots, they know. And uh, so if anybody's ultra hard on Donovan, shame on them. But uh, I do believe that, that the way the team rallied around him had something to do with his fourth quarter. Um, you know, I think if, you know, everybody is just kind of to themselves and everybody's kind of uh, quiet and maybe there's finger pointing inside the locker room, maybe he doesn't have that fourth quarter. And that really, again, speaks to the culture that Jazz have and it speaks to the type of kid that they're dealing with in Donovan Mitchell. I and mean, he's going to be a superstar in this league. Um, and he had a night last night in that fourth quarter that would certainly be one of the, the positive pieces to his story. So I'm uh, intrigued, aside from this series and how Game 5 plays out and if there is a Game 6, you know, where things go from there and all that. I am intrigued also by what we're seeing around the league, and we're seeing this Jazz Rocket series. We're seeing the Rockets go small, and we're seeing the Jazz and Quinn Snyder realize, you know, against a small lineup, Favors is a little better of an option than Gobert. And down the stretch, Favors was playing well. Gobert came back in at his normal time. But, man, he got like two minutes or so. And when it didn't work, Favors was right back in the game. Quinn is not playing them together. Not only is he not starting Favors, you know, Favors and Gobert are playing 24 minutes each in game four. One of them's in and one of them's on the bench at all times. And Favors offensively seems to handle and have a little more of a post game so when he gets switched whether he's on Tucker or he gets switched to Chris Paul Favors is more likely to punish that than Gobert is. I'm seeing guys getting, you can probably get into the technique of this but it looks to me like these smaller defenders are getting into Gobert's legs and he's struggling to gather and jump and finish with any authority That's a hard first of all it's a hard catch to make uh, as a big guy with a guard kind of uh, pushing you and, and being able to be, use his quickness to get around you. Uh, and, you know, Britt and I made that comment yesterday starting the, in the first half when when Favors was in the game and Gobert was out of the game, just how much more physical he is and how he's able to kind of more uh, hold guys off, move guys around than Rudy. And the other thing he really has done well is he's caught those balls that you're talking about on, on a mismatch. He's been able to catch that ball without much of a problem. Rudy's you know, kind of tips a few of them. And so I, I do think that's a huge part of this. I think it was important that they start Crowder um, because I think you have to have another weapon on the floor that needs to be respected. But I do love the fact that they're using uh, Favors and Gobert, you know, in rather than together separately. And I thought that Favors, at least last night, definitely deserved the more minutes because of the way he was playing. And I think he may be a tougher matchup all the way around for Capella just because of his toughness and his physicality. So I'm watching teams play small here, and whether it's a team like the Rockets deciding P.J. Tucker is quote-unquote their big man, their five, which seems ridiculous to say, or just looking at the top three teams in the West, the one, two, and three seed, which, you know, the Blazers, the Nuggets, and the Warriors, or the top two over in the East with Milwaukee and Toronto, those five teams all have centers that can shoot three-pointers. And it looks to me like that's lessening, especially if this really is the trend it appears to be. It's going to lessen the impact of shot blockers, and it's going to make it harder for them to stay by the rim. There aren't going to be as many interior shots to block in the first place. And two, when a guy drives, they may be out guarding a three-point shooter. So is Rudy Gobert shot blocking... And the Jazz inability to shoot threes, it's been an advantage here the last couple of years, but is that going to change going forward? Are there going to be more big guys shooting threes and teams playing five out and none in, which sounds ridiculous to say, but that seems how we're going. 
Well, think about just watch the playoffs right now. I mean, how many true post ups throughout the series are you seeing? I mean, it is kind of a it, it's kind of a you know you know ten years from now, our, my grandkids will be talking about you know watching the old films of guys really battling in the paint. Um, I, I think that that is the way the game's moving. Uh, I think that the five-out approach and space approach and big guys stepping away from the basket and making shots is really kind of the way it's moving. And it is interesting because the Jazz have a really great piece in Rudy Gobert in terms of a shot blocker, a guy who enforces his will on the other team. But if the game continues to move in different directions, it'll be interesting to see how that affects the Jazz and what the Jazz decide to do to counter that. Last thing, history says that the home team up 3-1 wins game five. That is very common in Jazz history and NBA history. Whether the Jazz are up 3-1 or down 3-1, home team that's up 3-1 wins. Uh, There are a couple outliers. If you get five, you usually get six. i got to pick the Rockets in five, even though I think this three-point barrage the Jazz are due could get them a win in game five. But i still got to pick the Rockets. You? Yeah, I think there's just too much probably to overcome from a from an emotional standpoint. I will say I do like the way that the series is trending. I do believe the Jazz have made a huge step forward in understanding the game plan, both offensively and defensively. You see them frustrating the Rockets a lot defensively because of their activity, um, and and Harden is not just getting. Uh, you know, that free run at the rim that we talked about after game one. So uh, rotations are better. They're making things more difficult. Um, I, as much as I say Rockets in five, I don't think it's completely out of the question because all it, all it will take is the Jazz to be able to make some shots in one game. And that's really the way they have to look at it. If they can make some shots in one game and continue to play the kind of frustrating defense that they're employing right now and continue to get better at it, it's not out of the question. But I just believe the odds are probably stacked too far, too, too much in the in the Rockets' favor. Get a lead, put them under pressure, and see if they crack and help you out. That and that seems to be the. That's the right. Yeah, and that's that's really what's going to take. And that's the beauty of, of this series. You don't play all seven games in one night. You know they kind of have a, a personality of their own. So it will, as always, it'll be really fun to sit back and watch. Now what the Rockets do to kind of counter what the Jazz have done, uh, but the big big thing if you're a Jazz fan watching this game, can the Jazz consistently make open shots? And again, not 70-80% of open shots, just their average. If they make 35-40% of open shots uh, and continue to play the same type of defense, this thing could be coming back to Salt Lake City. DJ and the coach, David James, Tim Lacombe, we are here podcasting for you every single week. Tim, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, man. Thanks.